We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. Who are you? Oh, I'm part of the Neighborhood Crime Watch. Where this work says you watch, I commit the crime. Oh, my God. No, no. Uh, no, no. There's no talking. You just give me your watch and wallet now. Here's my problem. You're black. <laughs> Mr. Crane! What? I'm Debbie Crane. I'm a big shot. So am I. If you kill me, the headline is going to be, Black Guy Kills White Big Shot. And that's the last thing we need when we're trying to elect an African-American as president. God. How about if I just blow your brains out right now? That doesn't work for me. Work for you? Can you please? Hey. All right, all right. Huh? All right. Watch. Wallet. Gun, knee, right foot, left foot. Thank God for guns, huh, Jay? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Yes, yes, yes. Folks, welcome to another edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. It's the Midweek Review, folks. The call-in number remains the same, as ever, as always. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Feel free to buzz on in with your questions, your protestations, your queries. You know my spiel. Call, uh, call in if you like to join in on our discourse. Um, a few things that we have to discuss, folks. We've got to talk about the inner sanctum, well, a part of the inner sanctum, I should say. Uh, yours truly, Captain Kirk, and of course, the uncanny Daryl B. We were in attendance this past MLK Day weekend at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, the legendary research center, which has uh, recently been given landmark status. So that's very, um, very encouraging considering that we're in 2017 and we don't know what, we don't know what to think with President-elect Donald Trump's impending presidency. Anyway, uh, 
every MLK Day weekend, we have this Black Comic Festival shindig. We were fortunate enough to interview John Ira Jennings, who is an educator, and um, he runs this operation. So it was very insightful to be a participant once again, or I should say an, an attendee. I was a, I was a participant last year being on a panel. This time around, I was just there just to have fun, to engage, to engulf. So we'll talk about that. We'll give you our impressions of this past Dr. King's, Dr. King's holiday. Um, we do what we always do, folks. Let's get into an urban alternative group. Uh, and I got to say this also quickly. We will get into the Steve Harvey affair. The comedian, media mogul, Steve Harvey, he engendered a bit of controversy, a bit of a backlash because of his, his visiting Donald Trump at Trump Towers a few days ago. I'm not the biggest Steve Harvey fan, as our longtime listeners know, but I think I have a slightly nuanced take take, pardon me, shocker about his visit, and that someone is going to have to take the hit and deal with Donald Trump. I'll leave it at that. We will expound, folks. Anyway, giving you the best of Urban Alternative Groove. Hey, this show represents Urban Alternative Groove, we, the Urban Alternative. Maybe that's what Mr. Harvey represents. You can listen to 105.1. You can listen to – this. I'm talking about New York locally – you can listen to 97 and listen to corporate hip-hop, or you can come to this program and listen to blues, black rock, progressive hip-hop, acid jazz, all that good stuff that is highly doubtful you would hear on local urban radio. But I digress. Anyway, classic groove. This is the mighty Jimi Hendrix. The mighty Jimi Hendrix, folks. And this is Hear My Train A-Coming. Give you about two minutes, folks. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Well, I hear my train a-coming.
That is the mighty, legendary Jimi Hendrix. Hear, a, hear my trainer coming. Folks, you know what time it is. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Captain, you're needed on the bridge, believe it or not. Let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I'll be laconic here, Afro-Nerd. I'll be laconic. So, Donald Trump is going to take office very soon, and Rumerville says MI6 and the CIA doesn't, do not like the fact that Donald Trump is going to be the president. This is just Rumerville, allegedly, theoretically, you know, mojo. So, that being said, I suggest to... MI6 and to the CIA use a soft attack. All right, soft attack. What does that mean? Use your microwave technology. Use also your ability to turn on one's oncogenes. That means cancer to the uninitiated. Remember Donald Trump, MI6 and CIA. He's 70, so he just miraculously came down with cancer. Yeah. No one would be the wiser. You microwave them and something happened to his heart. None would be the wiser. But if you go with a hard, a hard, like a JFK type of attack, everyone in the street, every buffoon, every wage slave zombie idiot will know what happened. So just a suggestion to you. But remember, allegedly, theoretically, Vladimir Putin, allegedly, theoretically, Mojo, has survived more than 10 assassination attempts, attempts, allegedly, theoretically. So if one decides to control Hilbert space, allegedly, theoretically, mojo, and if one knows how to do it, the attack goes wrong, and then 
the Donald finds out what's going on, and then he goes bonkers, allegedly, theoretically. Mojo. Remember, Captain is a buffoon. He doesn't know anything about science or anything like that. So just a word to the wise. You do what you want to do. <laughs> MI6 and CIA. That's all. Back over to Afro Nerd. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's have some fun here. All right. Uh, a couple of things, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, the captain and myself, and of course the uncanny Daryl B. We have a few, a few things throughout the course of the year, a few activities that we do that I think is would be a, would be safe to say, would represent an extension of the Afro Nerd brand. Um, hopefully, we will ha- we will have our annual gathering. We didn't have it last year, but normally we have our gathering for the Super Bowl. Um, we have the New York Comic Con, and we have the Schomburg Comic Con, Schomburg Comic Book Festival. This being the fifth, which just transpired. And what makes it even more apropos is that this occurs during the observance for Dr. King's birthday. So a couple of things. Um, I would say we we have tripped into doing something that is very positive for Dr. King's birthday. I suspect that you know, if you, if you ask some folks about what they would do, what what they're what they're supposed to do, or what they would like to do, or what they or what they're just what they just do, many folks shop. They um, may not do things that you would think would be really um, would be really in line with Dr. King's philosophy. So I think the fact that that the that the inner sanctum that when we do this thing for this for that weekend that it's it is so much in line with something that I think Dr. King would be would approve of. And it's not just goofy comic book stuff. I mean, we're talking about going to the Schomburg Museum or AKA Schomburg Center for Research and Black Culture. Uh as I said also at the top of the show, the the museum has been given and I thought it would, I thought this would have been taken care of already, but it has been given official landmark status. That's very important, very crucial. Um, you have folks visiting the the comic book festival from all walks of life, and many of these folks are they're, well, they're blurs, you know, they're blurs and nerds of color. It's it's a multiracial affair. I will say there's mostly black and brown folks, but you you, you will see, refreshingly so, that. Everyone is welcome, and you see a lot of other faces, white, yellow, red, and so forth, visiting the Schomburg. Because if you're really into comic books, it really doesn't matter uh, what melanin, what, what amount of melanin you may have to be able to enjoy comic books that may come from a different perspective. So I, I like the fact that we do this in Harlem, no less. So everything kind of lines up very, very nicely. MLK Day, MLK Day weekend. The Schomburg in Harlem, uh, black positivity, black scholarship. We're able to extrapolate ideas and have fun and enjoy this representation. And when we had uh, Mr. Jennings on a few weeks ago, and you're more than welcome to check out that show. It it is um, it's it's very very important to note that as the as these shows start to 
gain more and more, more time. You know, this is the fifth annual show. I started going, I think, around the second time. The first time I missed it. But second, third, fourth, and fifth, I've been in, in attendance ever since and will continue to go. That it, it's just growing exponentially. That the second time around, it was a pretty good amount of folks. But this time, these shows, these shows are becoming more and more packed. I think maybe last year it might have been maybe four or 5,000 people. I'm hearing it might have been 7,000 plus for the weekend this time. So it, it's becoming a thing. Just like Afropunk, which you laud over all the time, Afropunk has officially become a thing for many years now with 100,000 folks. Uh, and again, you have to remember, folks, that you're talking about activities – that are unbeknownst to the mainstream public where people are believing this one-size-fits-all deal with black people and with blackness, that we can't enjoy comic books, that we're not into scholarship, that we're not, we're not erudite, that we're not into hobbies and into mind expansion, or that our musical tastes seem to run one way. And it most oftentimes it's R&B, and hip-hop, and, and even not even R&B anymore. R&B is being phased out. So it's, it's hip-hop all the time, and most of, this, most of the time it is the type of hip-hop which is very detrimental to black culture, black spirit, and, and black advancement. This is not the case, not with Afropunk, obviously, and especially with this past weekend's um, Black Comic Festival. Um, I will say that I was I was – a bit disappointed with one part of the of the event, and it had really nothing to do with the event itself. It had to do with a participant. Maybe maybe we will reach out and get this gentleman on the show. He is uh, Trevor Von Eaton, and he is the uh, one of the co-creators for the Black Lightning comic book character. Uh, I, I really was unaware of Trevor. Now, I'm pretty sure the Uncanny, who has very much an encyclopedic knowledge when it comes to some of these behind-the-scenes players, I say I know quite a bit, but he really knows a lot more detail with some of this stuff. So he was familiar with Trevor, and I was excited once I heard that he was on this particular panel. The panel was called Black Heroes Matter. Friend of the show, David Walker, was hosting this thing, and... Mr. Mr. Eaton seems to have some pent up issues. Uh, let, let me just let, let me open up the, the mics for, for the captain because you know I, <laughs> this could have been a very different show if it were not for Trevor's kind of attitude. Um, he he bears the distinction for being the youngest youngest person to be hired uh, at DC. I think he was 16 years of age. He's a middle-aged man now. This was in the early 70s. But I would have liked to heard that. He, he poo-pooed on that. You know, he, it was mentioned about his age, about he had kind of that historical distinction. Um, and again, he was responsible, which I just thought it was always, always Mr. Tony Isabella. Tony Isabella is the, is the, the, the marquee name that I know of that, w- that was a creator of of Black Lightning, but now you hear Trevor Von, Von Eaton and and Mr. Isabella. So I would have liked to have heard more about that character's creation. And also, 
we we hear courtesy of Greg Berlanti, for those who are familiar with the CW universe, the CW comic book universe, whether it's Supergirl, now it's Supergirl for this season, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, and so forth, we're hearing that the Berlanti-verse is going to include a Black Lightning series on Fox. So all these things are going on, but uh, Mr. Von Eaton was just um, somewhat of a curmudgeon, bogarting, to use the street term, bogarting the mic. And, um, Cap, well, you, know, you, can ex- you can expound on this. Well, what was going on with this gentleman for the Black Heroes Matter? We'll, we'll probably talk about this and revisit it Saturday. But what were your impressions of what I thought could have been a very informative affair? Well, well, I think he was just taking it into a different direction. You know, he was just taking it. Sometimes that's good. You know, it's just like when a rapper, sometimes when he's rapping to a beat and he goes off the beat, but you have to come back on. If you stay off the beat too long, regardless of whatever you say, it begins to sound whack. It, you become, it starts to clash with everything. And that's a good analogy, I think, in this situation. When you're on stage and you're talking about a particular typical topic, and we do it here too. We say, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but it's tangentially related. You go off, which you're not really going off, but you go off to come back on to make what you're saying even tighter. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So when, more or less when he was speaking, he was taking it somewhere else, you know. That's a conversation you have in the hallway. Stay on topic, you know, stay on topic. If you have underlying issues, you have, you know, whatever's going on with you, you know, stay on topic. Because it, it, it was a great thing to see those men up there, but then he just started to suck the energy out of the room, <laughs> you know. It messed up my mood. I'm sitting down there. I wanted to leave it. I said, man, come on, man. I don't want to see this. I didn't come here for that. You know, talk about black this, black that. I'm not talking to, to the children. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, ah, ah, you know. You got to stay on topic, man. You gotta, sometimes you got to put aside your, your inner feelings sometimes and just do what you have to do. And if you're going to go off, make sure you come back on. <laughs> you know, that, that's the whole way with this, you know. As far as that's concerned. But I wanted to talk about something else, though. Not so much about, about um, him. Because you hear this with, you know, the Black Comic Con, when is it going to get bigger and everything else. As Afro-Nerd and Darrell B. knows, we were going to, like, New York-type Comic Cons. There were other different Comic Cons that had different names. When they first got started, it looked like a cobweb basement. Okay. Dusty and everything else, comic dealer and everything else. It took them a long time for them to get to the point where the New York Comic Con is. And the Schoenberg, a.k.a. Black Comic Con, is growing a lot faster than that. Well, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why is that we've all been to the New York Comic Con. We know that this is really a thing. So now because that happened, you could put this down and move exponentially faster. People are like, oh, when is it going to be like New York Comic Con? It may never be, but it's going to get bigger. We see that, you know? You have to understand how long things take before it becomes a thing. And that being said, that leads me into this and something for you to understand. I do not want to get the brother's name wrong. And I'm saying brother for a reason. Brother Man Comics, 
which was conceptualized in 1989. They had a tribute to the co-creator, illustrator, actually to his platform, <clears throat> which is Brother Man himself, and to the rest of the people that were involved with the Brother Man publication. Now, he said something very interesting. It's simple, but I thought it was very, very important. I didn't want to, I'm not saying this thing because I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to butcher it. But <clears throat> he said something very interesting in the tribute that I think everyone needs to hear. He said that anything that you like has been around for like 20 years or more. Now, just think about that. If you like Black Panther, how long has Black Panther been around? More importantly, how long has the platform to bring Black Panther to the table been around? Luke Cage, anything that you like. If you like Star Wars, how long has Star Wars been around? But more importantly, more importantly, the platform that Star Wars came out upon, how long has that been around? How long has Hollywood been around? You see what I'm saying? So he also said, you have to give him credit, a lot of times you're doing things and you're like four years in, three years in, people say you're still doing that. You didn't do anything yet. You didn't do anything yet. Based on that model, anything that you really like is around for a very long time. It's at least 20 years. Brother Man conceptualized in 1989. All right? You have to understand that. So this, all of us, you think all of a sudden you're just going to do something and you're going to get paid is a misnomer. As per rule, it doesn't happen like that. And if it does happen, the platform that allows you, allows you, allows you to blow up and make money, a lot of times has been around for a very long time. You understand? You might do an independent film and then Universal says we're going to distribute it. Good luck with that, but it can happen. How long has Universal been around? You see what I'm saying? It's something very simple, and most of the people who listen to Afro-Nerd Radio understand, definitely understand, but it needs to be said. Because a lot of times, even though it's like you're listening, but you're not hearing what's going on, you know? And it also could be said vice versa, because sometimes people say that vice versa. You know, also, you know, you think you just go ahead and do something. I had six months, it didn't happen. If it was that easy, it would happen with everybody. 20 years. 20 years. Think about it. Think about whatever you like. As per rule. TV shows, oh, it's on NBC. <laughs> How long has NBC been around? You know? Comic books, movies. Very simple, but very on point. Brother Man comic book been around conceptually since 1989. Very important. Very important. I thought, I thought that was very interesting that he said that. Back to you, Afronaut. Yeah, the gentleman you're talking about, and I don't want to screw up his name as well, is Dawood Anyawili. Dawood Anyawili, uh, a.k.a. Okay. David Sims. I think there was a name change there. <clears throat> Pardon me, but um, the captain is correct, of course. And, um, you know, listen, it was a, a lot about a lot about having your own imprint and being competitive and not necessarily being so hell bent. And that's, that's, a, that's something else that's also changed because uh, Captain has been going through this thing with me as well. 
that uh, it's very important not to get into these pity party conversations where, oh, Marvel isn't hiring me, DC isn't acknowledging us, and at the same time, there's nothing to stop you from creating your own imprint and Brother Man Comics, again, Dawood Anya Weebly, Anya, Anya pardon me, I don't want to screw up the gentleman's name, that he represents that, and he was very, very, very um, passionate about having your own thing in spite of trying to get a gig with Marvel. And also, I, I have to pat ourselves on, our, on the back that many of the folks that were in attendance we had come across on our own show, even that panel – and I don't want to just poo-poo on the entire panel, but and I and I still have great admiration for uh, Mr. Eden. I just wanted to hear more about more information, considering I think he was he was so caught up in a personal agenda. But uh, we also had we also saw um, uh, Roye Akupe, the Nigerian gentleman that we, we will probably have on our show intermittently from EXO. He was on there. Uh, the gentleman from uh, Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airs, and of course uh, David Walker. So we had just about everybody on there except uh, uh, Mr. Eaton. And we <laughs> listen; he's more than welcome to come to the show because really, I want to I want to know about his connection to Black Lightning and all of that. So we'll, we'll reach out to him. But you know, he, he said some very some very positive things about the N word and young folks and how they have to start to rethink that. Then he went off on a complete tangent and went somewhere else, and he started turning off the crowd. But the crowd was really there to applaud him, his work, to hear from other the other uh, discussants on the panel, and to talk about black heroes, black heroes mattering. Anyway, beyond that was a terrific show. Uh, I, I become somewhat melancholy when it's over because we're going to have to w- wait another year before we do it all over again. Anyway, folks, uh, more discourse, more information. You're more than welcome to call, to call on in. We saw some numbers. Folks, um, if you want to join in, more than welcome. Just press 1. Many folks listen in their cars via the phone, via their smartphones. So unless you press 1, that way we know you want to join in. So 646-915-9620. Again, 646 915 9620, press 1. It's like raising your hand. It's like uh, Horshack. Let's say Rorschach. Horshack from uh, Welcome Back Carter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know you want to join in. All right, folks. More groove, more urban alternative. When we get back, I think we're going to talk about um, Steve Harvey's visit to the Trump Towers and that controversy attached to it. I'm going to give you my impressions. I'm pretty sure the captain has a word or two about the situation. Um, I finally got a chance to check out Hidden Figures, or is that Hidden Fences? That <laughs> uh, kills me. Anyway, because <laughs> you know what that's really about. You know what that's really about, but we talked about that at nauseam. Yes. Yes. <laughs> speaking of the Hidden, Hidden Figures movie, there's a great soundtrack with, with um, Pharrell Williams doing his thing. This is Kim Burrell. We spoke about her as well. Can't knock her talent. Kim Burrell, Pharrell Williams. I see a victory. We'll be right back. Let's groove. They'll call it a mystery. 
up, we're gonna call it Big Glory. We'll be right in history. It's gonna be Big Glory. There'll be signs on top of signs, just so you know that from the Hidden Figures soundtrack. Or is that Hidden Fences? I get confused. Anyway, (laughs) folks, we're back live and direct. This is the Midweek featuring Captain Kirk and yours truly, little old me, D-Bert, a.k.a. the Afro Nerd. Um, Let's talk about Steve Harvey, comedian, media mogul. Um, I see, I think, one of our stalwart supporters, friend of the show, I believe this is... Uh, Sergio Mims from the fantastic website Shadow and Act. I believe it's him. Um, we'll bring him in in a moment, but I do want to uh, kind of set this up. I'm pretty sure he's chomping at the bit to discuss this thing. So um, I've said this before in, in the ensuing weeks 
uh, up until this Friday, actually, that we've been noticing high-profile black folk visiting Trump Towers and, of course, President-elect Donald Trump. And I uh, make no bones about it that uh, despite my conservative leanings or maybe even more more libertarian now because it's just some out-of-pocket things that are just very um, difficult to contend with, but I do still believe in being independent thinking. Uh, I have grave issues with the, the liberals as I do with conservatives. Anyway, um, but there's some things that are, just, that are just beyond that. We're talking about an issue of, of deportment with Mr. Trump. We're talking about an issue of disrespect. We're talking about an issue of really having the qualifications to be the commander-in-chief. I mean there's just some things that are, that are way beyond this, the, the, the Republicans saying that this is just a matter of sour grapes and you lost. I mean this isn't the price, or, price is right. They, they're giving you the impression that this is the price, or right, price is right um, and that – or family feud to be more connected to, Donald, um, <laughs> connected to, to Steve Harvey. Uh, no, this is more. This is more like a job interview, and you lied on your resume, or rather, you come to the to the job and you are high on some kind of narcotic. This is what I would liken it to. Matter of fact, I would even go further and say that this is this is akin to someone who um, you thought was a licensed medical doctor, and you find out that. He's about to perform surgery on you, and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a license. That's what we're dealing with right here. This is a this is a matter of a person really being qualified. Absolutely nothing to do with political bent. Anyway, it seems that we're going to go through this through with this this Friday. It's going down. So if it's going down, it appears that for at least four years. We're going to have to deal with, and I'm talking about just we as black people. I mean, of course, that's part of it, but the the American public will have to deal with this man as the commander in chief. So, uh, comedian Steve Harvey pays a visit to Donald Trump, and as I, as I was saying before, um, there have been a, there have been a number of folks of note of color that have visited visited Donald Trump and they're getting the critique of being quote unquote an uncle tom a race traitor or what have you i'm i'm actually being kind with the descriptors let's go to this clip and then i'll expound further but um i think we're going to have to play a long game with with Mr. Trump if we're going to be smart if we're going to be as the late Tupac Shakur, the name of his album, Machiavelli, we need to be more Machiavellian, uh, tribally. We, we, well, listen, I've been asking for this since the inception of the show, and no one seems to be listening. The, the idea of maybe putting the brake on emotionalism and actually trying to, trying to impart some of what Machiavelli represented, we, we seem not to know anything about that. We go zero to 100. Go to this clip about Mr. Harvey specifically. I think I might have actually two clips. One is, is more of the actual uh, meeting of the press after the meeting 
Donald Trump and Harvey had some words. Um, and I think there's also something else here that I have about the issue. Um, all right. Let me, let, let me go to the press conference. We'll give you about two and a half minutes. It's about seven minutes. Let's go to two and a half minutes, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Hold on. Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, okay. We'll go, to the, we'll go to the press conference, and then Mark Lamont Hill, Dr. Mark Lamont Hill of CNN, has his own impressions of Steve Harvey as well. So hold on. Back to back. Now that all gets straightened out. We want them to be themselves, and I told them, be yourselves and say what you want to say. Don't worry about me, and I'm going to do the right thing, whatever it is. I may be right, and they may be right, but I said, be yourselves. Wouldn't you say, Steve? Let them do it. I could have said, do this, say that. I don't want that. I want them all to be themselves. Okay, and on repeal, Everybody okay? Yes, sir, Everybody on good? Repeal and replace. Thank you. Thank you. Say hello to Harvey. Repeal and replace is going great. Sir, Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump. Yeah. So what exactly did you discuss with Mr. Trump? Are you going to work on a TV show with him, sir? Oh, no. Uh, I was uh, in, invited here by the both transition teams, Obama's transition team and Trump's transition team, and uh, it was really a really cool meeting in the beginning. We talked a lot about golf and things like that, and uh, people we knew and people in common, and uh, and then we got down to the crux of it. Uh, he's uh, introduced me to uh, Ben Carson, who is now the new head of uh uh, housing for urban development, and uh, we're going to team up and uh, see if we can uh, bring about some positive change in the inner cities, which I felt was my only agenda, and he agreed, and he wants to do something, and uh, he realizes that he needs some allies in that department, and he, he seemed really sincere about it. I mean, Chicago being one. Chicago is definitely one. Another one they want to start with as a target is Detroit. Uh, ben Carson expressed that because quite naturally he's from Detroit. I want to do some things with on all of the major inner cities to see if we can bring about some change and help some of these young people out. And so that's why I'm here, and it was a successful meeting, and uh, EC seemed really sincere. Thank you, sir. Steve, Steve, uh, all right. You got the gist of it. It's pretty loud, but that was uh, Steve Harvey himself discussing the the um, the meeting. What was discuss- What was actually um, the main purpose of the meeting? So that's one part. Now this is Dr. Mark Lamont Hill, who I actually appeared. Uh, this is quite some time ago. I was on a panel with him on an, on an NPR program, News and Notes, and um, let's let's see what he thinks. Hold on. Listen, let's move on and talk about uh, something else, uh, about Steve Harvey. And I, I'm going to get Mark, and then I'll get the others in. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, Steve Harvey went to Trump Tower and is taking a lot of backlash for meeting with the president-elect. What do you make of this controversy? Uh, you know, I, I love Steve Harvey, and I have respect for Steve Harvey, and I think his intentions were accurate, or, in, or appropriate, rather. But, but my disagreement is the way in which he's being used by folk like Donald Trump. Again, his intention is just to have a seat at the table. But when you're at the table, you should have experts at the table. You should have people who can challenge the president 
at the table. I don't care if Steve's there, but if, if I'm Steve Harvey, I'm bringing Michelle Alexander. I'm bringing Cornell West. I'm bringing Imani Perry. I'm bringing Eddie Glaude. I'm bringing Michael Eric Dyson. I'm bringing some folk with me who oh can challenge God. the president and inform the conversation. Otherwise, you're just oh, being Bruce, covered why up are you there. saying, oh, my God? Because all, all, real quick, because all he, cause they keep bringing up comedians and actors and athletes to represent black interests is, is demeaning, it's disrespectful, and it's condescending. Bring some people up there with some expertise, Donald Trump. Don't just bring up people to entertain. So you, were at the, so you were at the meeting. You, you heard and saw everything. I don't understand how anything I said would prompt that question. Listen. I, I'm, I, unless, unless Steve Harvey turned into a policy analyst, in, in, in Mark, the behind-the-scenes meeting, then it doesn't matter what I was there. I'm saying Mark, my concern was the people he's trumpeting up and putting Mark, in front of the cameras. Mark, you weren't even there. You didn't even know what happened, okay? Okay. And, and, yes, I do. Are, are you disagreeing you, that he brought you, down? Are you disagreeing? You weren't, you weren't in Wait, the room, sir. How did you weren't that, there. How did, that, how did that negate my point that he brought but, Steve Harvey and then put him in front of the let, cameras? Let me That's tell you, my sir. critique. Here's the deal. You don't know what happened. First of all, Pastor Daryl Scott, Michael Cohen, they are in the process of bringing all types of people from all over the country, from all different backgrounds, like we have, the, the member of the Diversity Coalition, where we reach out to all different yeah, types it, of people. It, it, it was Listen, a bunch of mediocre it, with, Negroes being dragged in front of TV as a photo op for Donald Trump's exploitative campaign against black people, and you Mark, are a prime how, example. Okay, how, how are you going to... So now you want to name call, Mark. Simone, no, you I, yeah, want to talk. Is, now, this, now you want to name call. Now you want to name call. And then you want to demarginalize... Let me back Mark up here, because Mark's making an important point. Important point. Mark the point is not is making that, an important point. Uh, Mark is people, just talking. Black people are diverse, okay? And for Donald Trump to only engage actors and comedians and, you know, yeah. reality-type folks, he is not engaging Simone. with the diversity of black people in America. So, again, Simone. I would like to see Donald Trump bring some policy analysts, some real people Alexa. who have some meat on the bones for the issues to the table. Dang if you do, dang you got if 10 you seconds, don't. Bruce. <laughs> so, okay, so you ain't gonna be far less liberal. He ain't though. done. What do you mean, dang if you dang, dang if there, you don't? He ain't done. That is the point. <laughs> you can actually bring qualified Bruce people. Bruce is an expert, and he brought Bruce in. No, it's not. All right. You can bring in conservative, conservative icons. They don't have to be leftists. What's your expertise? All right, so that's it. I wish we had like a a dong or an X. <laughs> <laughs> we surveyed 15 people, and whatever. That's it for us tonight. That's a Family Feud joke, by the way. See you tomorrow night. All right, all right. Let's open up the lines. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if yeah, it's Sergio. Sergio wants to press one though. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I'm looking at his uh, the area code. It, uh, well, for, for the number that's there, if you'd like to join in, press one. That way, you know we know that you want to join. And if not, I'm assuming you're just going to uh, be a listener. Uh, all right. Uh, again, open to all all folks. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. There you go. Okay, let's open the lines. Okay, is this Mr. Mims himself? Yes, it is, Mr. Mims. Yes, it is. I'm okay. sorry, I didn't press one. I'm sorry. That's yes. Okay, <laughs> happy, happy, that's okay. Happy New Year, sir. As always. Yeah, and um, and uh, happy birthday. My birthday was Friday. Thanks, um, thanks, Daryl. You know, send me some nice birthday greetings and by the way quickly to get this out of the way the whole hidden fences hidden figures thing, i think it's a little blown up portion i kept calling it hidden figs hidden colors for the longest time i kept calling it hey have you seen hidden colors yet you know it's one of those things that happens you know but um 
in terms of this whole thing with Steve Harvey, um, I have to agree with Lamont Hill. I mean, there are people, there are plenty of people, if you're really serious, there are plenty of people here in Chicago, in places uh, elsewhere, where who deal with issues, say, of urban violence and black unemployment. Why don't you pick, get those people to talk to you instead of getting Steve Harvey, who was before then known as a relationships guy, expert, or um, Kanye West. What is he doing there? And sadly, Jim Brown? You know I love Jim Brown, but oh, yeah. we, what we is Jim Brown going to contribute? So, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's it is is condescending and I think it's insulting. And the people so far he has picked uh, with, you know, like Omarosa, who was a big Hillary supporter, in Hillary Lee. Um, and you have Daryl Scott, this Reverend Daryl Scott, who is, by the way, the exact twin of Brian Pumper. Now, for <laughs> you guys who don't know who Brian Pumper is, uh, so keep look it him up. Keep it safe. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we're talking we're talking separated at birth. Yes. But, um, you know, the, the get serious now. Funny, I just recently read an article uh, in Salon Magazine about how black conservatives have been out in the wilderness for years, especially under the Obama administration, Obama uh, during the Obama years, and this is maybe their moment to shine. But the problem is that. So far, if Trump is serious, which he is not, these black conservatives, who many of them are out there, uh, they're still not getting any kind of play. They're still not uh, being talked to or their views are being listened to. Instead, he goes for celebrities. I mean, this, I, can't take, I take all of this seriously. I can't take it seriously at all. Um, Cap, what are your thoughts about what Sergio is talking about? His thoughts. Your thoughts on his I agree thoughts. with him. I, I totally agree with what Sergio says. But at the same time, someone's going to have to meet with the man. That this man, the President of the United States, when he sticks forth, sticks out his left hand or right hand, things move in the world. Someone has to meet with him regardless of that fact. So I definitely agree with what Sergio's saying 100%. But still, at the same time, someone's going to have to meet with him. You know? But, but you know, he's meeting people like. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Meaning which, now going further with it, Donald Trump should bring in educators, economists, you know, uh, black business people, and start planning from that standpoint. That's what you do when you're serious. That's what you do, you know. This, this right now is not serious, you know, from my standpoint, from what I'm seeing. I don't know what a Steve Harvey is going to do. Maybe Steve Harvey has the intelligence to say, okay, I'm a voice. Let me go out and get these type of people and take it seriously. Or maybe Steve Harvey will listen to someone else that says, look, this is what you need to do. You're, you're, you're a comedian guy. You're an entertainer. Yeah, you have a voice. But go out and get these people and bring it back to the president. You see? Like that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, he's meeting people like Martin Luther King III. If really seriously, what does Martin Luther? What exactly does Martin Luther King the Third to do besides eating? I mean, what what does he do? <laughs> oh man! I mean, this is the guy. Remember, this is the guy 
who tried to sell his father's Nobel Prize and his personal Bible, and his sister had to hide it from him. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah it was a family this, issue. This, right. This is the same person who you can't use any of their speeches. They couldn't use any of, the, any of his speeches for the film Selma because they charge too much money for them. You know, all they do is, well, MLK III, they just go around trying to cash in on the father's legacy. What influence does he have? I mean, I saw him when he was speaking with Trump. Um, he looks like he is still, he still thinks it's 1964. And was it me? It seems like after he spoke three sentences, he was out of breath. Wow. I mean, really, he was. He was like, oh. So Jesus Christ. Um, so, I mean, get serious people. If you're really serious, if you want people to think that you're really serious of being president, which, once again, he's not, but if you want, then get, surround yourself with real experts, people who are knowledgeable. People, what does Steve Harvey know? Steve Harvey doesn't live in Chicago anymore. He moved to L.A. His show is going to be done in L.A. You know what does he know about Chicago? What does what does well, what does Kanye West know? Kanye West met met with him to talk about violence in Chicago. The only time Kanye West has been here since he left home is when he does a concert. Well, you know, there's a controversy about whether or not even um, Mr. West is a, a resident of, of of Chicago. I mean, he he might really be more well, no, he's suburb. Not. No, yeah, well, that's, well, well there you go. Right, he went to school in the suburbs. He he was raised in South Shore, which is just south of me. But he he went to school out in the suburbs. That is true. He went to school out in the suburbs. His his mother put him out in the best schools out in the suburbs. So he can't even claim that he's a South Sider in a way. He really can't. Sir, hold on for a second. I'm gonna still keep you on. Uh, your line is still open. We're gonna open up to. Uh, I think this might be Q Storm. 201. Mm-hmm. Q, is that you? Uh, yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yes. What are your What are your impressions, man, about this uh, Steve Harvey? I know you have a, a video, a video um, thought piece on the visit with with uh, Mr. Trump and uh, Mr. Harvey at Trump Towers. What, what are your thoughts? Yes. First of all, let me apologize. I'm I'm in transit as I as I want to do from time to time, so I'm on my cell phone. Hopefully it transmits okay. I am calling to eat some crow because, as I said in that thought piece, I said that there are some people who don't really appreciate Mr. Harvey. No names will be mentioned. But um, I I have to now reevaluate my defense of Steve Harvey because if Steve Harvey were really a cogitative person, he would but say he's not. Trump on Well, hey, I can't argue with you anymore. <laughs> I can't debate you anymore because if he were a thinking man, he would say to Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I have some issues with how you comport yourself. I have issues with the way you handle the John Lewis situation. And honestly, Mr. Trump, I am not qualified to do what you're looking to do. There are far more qualified African Americans that you should be getting in touch with. Uh, perhaps you might want to call Mark Morial, who is qualified to do what you want to do. 
and I will assist him. But I, I'm not going to put myself in that position because I don't have the skills required for that job. So it, it, it's the wise man who realizes what he can't do. And I don't know what's going on with Trump. I don't know what magic Negro wand he's waving that all these black folks are supposed to be uh, have our best interests in mind, that they go to him, they go to his power, Trump waves some Negro wand, and they come out talking about, oh, well, it was an interesting meeting, and he's sincere. And it's, everyone's, everyone's drinking that six-button pimp pastor juice. I don't know what's going on. So I was calling in to say publicly, I was wrong, you were right. Well, you know, you could go pretty far if you just kind of keep that theme as you continue to listen to the show. But, uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, but, but for all jokes aside, uh, I'm going to give you more of a little nuanced perspective on this thing. Uh, first of all, you, you have some black folks, I shouldn't say some, many black people are weighing in on this, this deal. And they're labeling Steve Harvey as a coon, as an Uncle Tom and that no one should meet Donald Trump. And that is patently false. I mean, what, what's going to happen with that line of thinking? As much as I have a problem with Donald Trump, and I really do, I mean, this is, this is an everyday affair discussing Donald Trump. I think I even uh, read somewhere, it might have been in jest, jest maybe not in jest, that uh, Donald Trump has had more controversies in two weeks than the entirety of the Obama's presidency. Which I think might be accurate, actually, if you really want to take, get into bare bones. I don't, I don't remember having to be so out of sorts with President Obama on a daily basis. This guy is running a chaotic presidency. I mean, even his presidency doesn't, presidency doesn't even start yet. And it's an everyday thing with this guy. So anyway, but anyway, the reality is black people and everybody else, let's say we're talking about black folks right now. Black people, are, are, are they really prepared to not have any connection with the presidency for a minimum of four years? Can we, really, can we really roll like that? Now, I would suspect Asian folk, uh, Indian people, uh, Jewish people certainly, they have internal infrastructures where they can actually do that. Now, I doubt that they will do it, but they could do that. Are black people in the same position to do that? No. So I think if we're, if we're going to be, as I said at the top of the show, Machiavellian, there's enough black people, maybe even enough separate think tanks to do other things at the same time, other things while you're dealing with this gentleman. In other words, we can, we can pat our heads and we can rub our stomachs simultaneously. At least I think so. I'm not so sure, but this whole thing about let's, let's, not, let's not talk to Trump is essentially saying you forsake access to the presidency for four to eight years. I mean, that's just being, that's just being stupid. I don't even want to use a $10 word. That's just, be, that's just being stupid. So uh, if, we're, if, if, if we're going to go by what Trump says, and again, it's very hard to, to, to hold his – Hold this guy to his word. I would have a cadre of Negroes. I want to speak more visceral. A cadre of well 
skilled Negroes. Uh, maybe even maybe even even take someone like a, a a Jim Brown or a Steve Harvey to 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 set it up for the commercial face. But you need to have uh, folks like Julianne Malvo, Dr. Glenn Lowry, you know, an economist. Uh, you, you could have uh, Jadida Eisler. You could have Neil deGrasse Tyson for science, science, tech, engineering, urban planners, um, uh, attorneys, financiers. I mean, that's, that's, there's enough well, well-heeled people. I mean, even when you hear uh, Lamont Hill talking his ish, he's as silly. Like, listen, he made a point, but then he went off the rails by having educated Educated uh, Negroes, these 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 fops. He says we have to have uh, uh, Michael Eric Dyson and Cornell West. I mean, he, he mentioned uh, Michelle Alexander. We gonna have sociologists? Come on, man! Even ridiculous. Even that sounded crazy. They were all liberal. I mean, we should even take politics off the table. But you, no Thomas Sowell. You know, no McWhorter, no Lowry, and, and maybe some of those people. But you have, you have, you, we've had these people in the mix before. What are they doing? What, what is what is Cornell West going to do when it comes down to financing and bridge building and, and, and dealing with with the educational center? I mean, I'm not taking anything away from his his um, academic rigor, but I mean, these these, these people are more about talk, talk, yakety yak. But this is what, you know, this is, this, that was uh, Lamont Hill being disingenuous, that, oh, we have to have my kind of black people to talk to Trump. No, I don't think so. So well, he's being phony. Debert, the problem is, okay, you see the people that, you see the black people that Trump is surrounding himself with. Don King, oh, Steve yeah. Harvey, and a list of other Questionable people But the, the reason is Is that you can get these intellects These powerhouses of intellect Conservative or liberal uh, You know your Melody, your Melody Dobson I think that's her name Your Mark Morreales Your Dobson Your Mark Morreales Your um, whomever your People that Negroes who are cogitative The problem is when you, when you approach Trump To speak in a dialogue he expects you to to supplicate yourself, and these are black folks that are not used to supplicating because they're too damn smart. But you get Steve Harvey and you get Don King, they will drink the juice. So that's the problem. How do we work with a man when we we are intelligent people, but he wants us to supplicate? We can't do that. We're going to discuss. We're going to talk to you from a place of power, sir. He doesn't want. He do, he can't deal with that. So getting these people together is what we need to do, but I don't know if it's going to do a damn thing because he doesn't want to hear from strong, will, intellectual, cogitative black people. You well, see, that's you know, the problem. The problem. The problem is that I want to get those people. I mean, the reason why he's meeting with Steve Harvey, they don't know black people. They don't know any black people like the kind we wish they could talk to. They don't know them. They never have any connection with them. Now, Donald Trump has surrounded, has surrounded 
up with celebrities. He's a very minor one. Celebrities all his life. He's not an intellectual person. He's never surrounded himself with intellectual, conscious black people in his entire life. He hangs around Don King. You know, I mean, that's the kind of people. So, and I should say, I should add that you have a very valid point talking about Debert. I saw the Mark Lamont Hill thing, and of course he went for the same old, same old, the old yuckety yuck, the um, you know the Tysons and the Cornell. Well, he's not going to meet with those people. I won't meet with those people. You know, don't forget, Dyson is the guy who said a few months ago, wrote an article a few months ago that Hillary Clinton was going to do more for black people than Obama. This guy, right? Yeah, and Cornell West, who forget it, you know, wore the same suit all the time. Billings matter, I won't put her in that bunch. I think she definitely is much more serious and much more intellectual. Or the um, what's what's the professor's name? Um, Henry Louis Gates. Come on, be serious. You know, the the guy who PBS likes to use as the black explainer to explain white people what black people are like. You know, that's his job. Um. They, they're not. But getting back to my point is that Trump and these people—they're not surrounded. They don't know serious intellectual people like that, and neither does Steve Harvey. Well, you know what? I, I think neither it's does, deeper neither than neither that. Neither does Kanye West. I, I think it's deeper than that. I think what you're talking about is well. First of all, I don't even know if you make that much of a distinction between who Hillary Clinton would meet meet up with and who she has met up with. To motivate black people, any different than well, you know Donald what? Trump? I agree with if you. you. Be I honest, agree with you because because okay. the turn no, me you're off right. was you're right. Me off you're right. Was you, you had you had uh, Jay Z, and Jay Z was it was a foot yeah. soldier for the Obama administration. If we're going to be honest, because part of this politician game is making black people feel good, and we don't <laughs> ask for any we don't ask for anything. You know, I need to queue up my Halle Berry thing. I can't find it right now. But it's, it's, that's what it is. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to be as critical with Donald Trump uh, if, if really what turned me off to Hillary Clinton was Jay-Z going into his minstrel act at one of these, uh, you know, one of the last functions that she was in before we went full throttle into, into the election. Uh, he couldn't even – he could not even – Kind of tapered down his act and went into nigga 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 after Hillary Clinton announces him. So I said, oh okay, uh, this is so you so uh, is he really as as reprehensible as Donald Trump is if we're going to be bare no. bones honest about it. You know it. what? You know, like if you you are absolutely right. You're dead on target. That three in me. Of course, I don't even think she knew who he was. It was a cheap attempt to try to get black votes. Oh, look, you know, I'm here. I got a Jay-Z, right? Um, but, right, it doesn't infuriating for him to do that stuff. And she's the God damn Hillary. Sir, 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 you got to call back in because you're, you're breaking up, man. Your, your line oh, is, uh, damn it. is rough. <laughs> your line is rough. I, we'll, we'll, damn you know, call back in. Call back in. Yeah, it was, it was too, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was too rough. Um, but yeah, if we're not going to be critical of these other folks with with uh, Hillary Clinton, then why are we going to be so critical with Donald Trump? And also, this goes back to COINTELPRO. 
COINTELPRO counterintelligence program back in the 60s, it was well known and documented and researched that one of the, one of the chief ways to, to uh, motivate black people or to bend the will of black folk, it would go through entertainers and athletes. And that's 50-some-odd years ago, and that, that paradigm appears not to have changed. What, I, what I'm really saying is I would hold on to Donald Trump's word like white on rice. That if he's he's talking that yak, if he's talking that if he's talking that stuff, then okay, Donald, since you, I'm holding you to your word, here we have this cadre, our black think tank. Let's go to work. And if he doesn't do it, I would use the press as best as you can use the press because they appear to be phony as well. I would use them as a buffer to say, hey, we have submitted um, proposals. We're ready to rock and roll. He won't answer. And I would make that a big deal. We're not powerless. And also you could say to Donald Trump, hey, if you want to ensure a second term and be like the Phoenix Rising because your approval rating is the lowest for an entering president, I think maybe in history, maybe in history is the lowest for for an incoming president. It's like 30% or the lowest, less. It's the, low, it's the lowest in 40 years. That was reported by okay. um, Meet the Press, I believe. So if that's the case, if you are trying, I would we have we act as if we have no power. We say, listen, let's get to work on some of these on these plans, and we we can we can um, we can make a very good case for having black folk. You had eight percent, maybe we could see twenty five, twenty percent, twenty five percent going into the next election. And that's just one way of, of using leverage. But I don't hear anyone. Having that kind of discussion with Donald Trump, all I hear is angry black people who are basically saying, we are prepared to write off this guy for four to eight years, which seems, which seems absurd. And, if, and, and also, a matter of fact, uh, and we're going to go to a groove, and then we'll go back to this. We'll have to, we'll have to open it up to John Lewis versus Donald Trump. But... Uh, if if we could have this as a plan, just like just like the great Bruce Wayne or T'Challa to be more connected to me, you have five or six different plans going on at the same time. Why why why? What am I saying that is so hard for Black people to understand? Maybe we have to have a couple of people to take the bullet to deal with Trump because that's the way it is right now, dealing with things as they are. But this emotionalism and this paralysis, it is completely – it's just stupid. I don't want to use a $10 word. It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, it is insulting that he's using Don King and these entertainers, that he's looking at the black community through the prism of minstrelsy. That's what's going on. I would correct that, I don't, but I don't hear anybody. I hear D.L. Hughley. I hear all these people saying, F you. I don't want to deal with this guy. Thank you, Mr. Hughley, for, for, for your reputation telling me I have four to eight years of no access to the presidency. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's just stupid. All right, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition. Uh, Q, I want you to stay, stay on hold. 
I'm pretty sure you have you want to you want to say some piece your piece on the uh, the mighty congressman from Georgia, John Lewis versus Donald Trump. Maybe it's an extension of the conversation that we're having now. Uh, I can't again just as the as football great Jim Brown was a quagmire for me. Uh, so is John Lewis. These these men, these elder statesmen. You cannot obfuscate their hard work. You just can't. A man who take who took a, a beating like he did on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You just can't. You. I'm sorry. Now Trump showed his arse by critiquing his 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 um his work, and you know he knows nothing about John Lewis. You know he is civil rights, just like uh. KRS-One will say on occasion, I am hip-hop, or he is hip-hop. It's safe to say John L. Lewis is civil rights. Anyway, going to a group, we'll be right back. This is going into the purple room. I have to revisit the purple room, folks. Prince, Adonis, and Bathsheba. We'll be right back.
Once again, the late Prince Rogers Nelson, that was an uh, unreleased cut, folks, uh, Adonis and Bathsheba. This is the Midweek in Review. we got about 40 minutes remaining. Um, we're going to open up all the mics. Uh, feel free to join on in with our discourse. I see our friend Sergio's back. Hopefully uh, his line is clear. Uh, the call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So before the break, we were talking about Steve Harvey, comedian Steve Harvey, media mogul Steve Harvey. I can't take anything away from uh, the man's success. But, you know, he met with Donald Trump, the president-elect, soon to be the president this Friday. Wow. <laughs> That's a rough road to even, to even talk about how the, the reality of that situation. Anyway, um, many in the black community took umbrage with Mr. Harvey meeting with Donald Trump. And I can understand it. I understand the passion. But at the same time, this man is going to be the president, and it's going to be very, a, a rough road for black folks. You know, if we don't have our S together, which many of us do not, we don't, we don't, we're not recirculating those, those that 1.2 or 3 or 4, whatever it is. I think it's $1.4 trillion in annual spending power. We're not recirculating this. There's no Blexit strategy, which I'm working on. There's no Blexit strategy in sight. So we're not trying to – Blexit is a riff of Brexit for the, for the uninitiated. Brit, British exit, black exit. I'm not talking about a literal black exit, but I am talking about a a sort of modified black financial exit. Stop vet investing in it, it, with people who disrespect you. That just makes sense. There's got to be a point for 2017, and I know that uh, Sergio understands this. I know that I could I could sense especially the frustration from Q Storm. That we just have to be a bit more thinking in our community. I don't hear any strategies. I don't hear anything about think tanks. We, are we going to rely on a Reverend Sharpton for this this thought process? I think not. Is it going to, is Ti is Ti going to be your spokesperson? Are you comfortable with that? See this is Snoop Dogg. See the media the media are putting out these people as if they're as if they are formal spokespersons. For the black community, and I don't hear anyone saying, "No, that Negro has to sit down. His IQ is not up to snuff." I'm going to be blunt like that. You know, he makes cute, disrespectful runs. Let's, let's stick to your bitch, hoe, and nigga doggerel. This is public policy. This is finance. But the African American community has been clowned to such a degree. That now we have these minstrels. Hell, I would be more comfortable with Burt Williams being a spokesman than I would <laughs> with some of these folks that we see now that can barely stitch together a sentence. And no one is, I mean, this is, this is how low we, we're going. I know that our, our resident cineast, Sergio, you heard him laughing, but I'm thinking about folks like, uh, and if we have enough time, we'll talk about it. James Baldwin, there's a James Baldwin doc documentary coming out in a couple of weeks called I Am Not Your Negro. Now, that kind of dude, that kind of dude, where is he? The poor man is in the grave, but I'm talking about that kind of iconography on the scene. No one comes close. Shout out to Ta-Nehisi Coates. No one comes close. I appreciate you on the Black Panther comic book, 
but you know James Baldwin. Don't get it twisted. That's the literati telling you that you're the next James Baldwin. James Baldwin, James Baldwin was James Baldwin. You are not James Baldwin, sir. So, anyway, next up, we have an uh, iconic congressman from Georgia, John Lewis, who has come out and said that he, he deems this election, this presidency, to be uh, not legit. That because of this hacking scandal with the Russians, that Donald Trump has been coy about, he's been in and out. Which is, you know, duck and move. That's his way. Duck and move. Non-committal. Committal one day, non-committal the next day as to whether or not the Russians actually hacked the DNC and, and by extension, uh, had had something to do with the turnout of this election. He He's not going to lend any kind of credence in any real sincere way that, you know, this election really isn't 100%. I think the election is legal, but it's, it has an asterisk by it if, it's, if there's a hacking that's going on. <clears throat> Pardon me. So let me, let's, let me open up the lines. Uh, for folks that are on hold, if you'd like to join in, press 1. That way we know you want to join in. Press 1. You can join into the discourse. Uh, Serge, any thoughts on John Lewis putting it out there that he thinks that this election is, is illegitimate? Well, I'm kind of torn about this. And before I say that, let me say I have seen the James Baldwin documentary. I saw it about two months ago. Mm-hmm. I am not your Negro. It, you must mm-hmm. see it. You must see it. And it will make you sad that there are very few people, black people today, who have the intellect and the perspective that James Baldwin has. What he wrote about 50, 60 years ago is still true today. Coates is not. Coates can even can't even walk in the shadow of Baldwin. You know, to be compared to Baldwin to me is an insult, an insult. You know, someone like Baldwin comes once comes once along in a century. He was amazing and totally genius and brilliant. And you you must see the documentary to and it's all his words. It is his words. So just to comprehend what this guy did is amazing. With that, I'm a little conflicted about John Lewis. Um, I understand he wants to be a firebrand. I understand he wants to be a um, a force against Trump. I totally believe that. I totally agree with him. I'm with him that way. Uh, but to say he's illegitimate, look, he won the election. Um you know, he can say the Russians were involved. The fact of the matter, Hillary Clinton lost. It, it, it wasn't that Donald Trump won. She lost. She was a lousy campaigner. She was a lousy candidate with a terrible message. And I swear to God, if Bernie Sanders had run, had been the, had been the, uh, the nominee, he would have won. He would have won. I believe that sincerely. You know, I was a Bernie bro. He would have won. So um, I don't think it does a lot of good for him to call him that he's not a legitimate president uh, because that, that doesn't get you anywhere. It only be, it, it, it means what it says, that I'm a target not to be listened to anymore, not to be taken seriously. Uh, what are you going to do about it? 
what is John Lewis going to do about it? Instead, keep reminding people what happened, what he did during the Civil Rights Movement. What are you going to do about it? Well, the only thing is, I, I do want to play this clip, clip, and then I'm going to answer the phones. Um, I think our friend from the DMV uh, is is on on hold. Um, Can I say something I will, first mm-hmm. after the clip? Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, you after the clip? Okay, let me go to the clip. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just say this quickly. That with with John Lewis and with Trump's critique of him saying he needs to do something, and uh, what about the district that you oversee? I mean, he said some things that you know he says anything. This he is truly the Pictionary president. Anyone who knows how to how, what Pictionary is, uh, which is kind of an offshoot of charades, it's it's for you to figure out his meaning. And it, it, that's the that's the this is the this is a Pictionary presidency forthcoming i really believe that but we still have to deal with this guy but let's not pretend that we have to fill in his blanks that when he when he says something you know he just spouts off uh he's like playing the dozens with dozens with your with your with your political life you know he's playing the dozens as opposed to actually having a real critique it's, it's, it's very, it's very visceral and offhanded at someone like you know. Well, you may say what you think about John Lewis, but John Lewis did put in that work, and you can't say that. Well, you know, what, you know, he hasn't done anything for civil rights. I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, the man is civil rights. You got you to come a little harder than that. But it's so nasty that the media appears to like this kind of stuff, and and, and the and the folks that like. Trumpism, they're not really going to talk about the meat of their critique. Anyway, uh, let's go to this clip for about a minute, and then we'll go to the captain, and then we'll go to the, to the phones. Hold on. Well, for more, we turn to Errol Barnett in Washington. Errol, President-elect Donald Trump has now responded to Congressman Lewis, who said that Mr. Trump is an illegitimate president. How is he responding exactly? Well, uh, as you might imagine, he's upset. This is the president-elect's uh, most sensitive but anyone who tries to delegitimize in any way his presidential win, as he calls it, one of the most historic and amazing wins in history. He sent these tweets this morning, as he is wont to do when he's upset, quote, Congressman John Lewis, Lewis should spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is Atlanta, uh, which is in horrible shape and falling apart. He calls it crime infested and goes on to say he should be doing that rather than falsely complaining about the election results all talk no action or results sad. Now, there has been no response from Congressman Lewis's office today, but in a way, he's getting what he wants, which is to cause um, uh, people to question Donald Trump's presidency the week before he is inaugurated and also encourage other Democrats to join him. Um, already, some 11 other House Democrats have said they, too, will skip out on President-elect Trump's inauguration next week. In fact, this tweet was sent just a short time ago from uh, California Congressman Mark uh, Takano, quote, all talk, no action, in quoting Trump's tweet. I stand with uh, Representative John Lewis, and I will not be attending the inauguration. This is, uh, you know, John Lewis is a civil rights icon, a form of silent protest uh, that he's using because they feel the methods Donald Trump used to win um, delegitimize him. However, you have Republicans who feel as if the tables were turned, if Hillary Clinton won and, uh, and Republicans said that she was illegitimate, many people would be up in arms. So Republicans are seeing this move as very unfair. 
I want to ask you, Errol, also about Russia. It's been confirmed that Donald Trump's national security advisor, Michael Flynn, spoke with Russia's ambassador to the U.S. at least five times. How's the Trump team explaining this? Well, there are different levels of um, response from the Trump team. Overall, Donald Trump says that any allegations that his campaign colluded with Russia are false. Of course, he wants to defend the legitimacy of his presidency. He also says that these reports, uh, recent intelligence leaks uh, from uh, supposedly Russian sources that they have compromising information on him are also false. He sent this tweet today in all caps, which tells you how he feels about it. Intelligence insiders now claim the Trump dossier is a complete fraud, and he cites a small conservative cable uh, network. But his team has confirmed that his national security advisor, General Mike Flynn, has had direct contact with the Russian ambassador to the U.S. multiple times, including on the day that President Obama announced sanctions against Russia because of its election interference and also kicked out Russian diplomats. Now the trans Okay, I'm going to cut it off there. I think we know that story. Uh, let's go to the oh, let's go to the captain. Then we'll go to the phones. Cap, your your impressions. Now, this is what we have to realize something when we're dealing with this. As far as hacking, the United States has been shown many times via false flags and not so false flags that they interfere with everyone's elections, right? And if you believe Edward Snowden, Edward Snowden says NSA and the CIA have the most computing power on the planet. NSA is so thorough that they can knock out pilots. According to Snowden, if you believe Edward Snowden, you can knock out pilots in the planes and just make them pass out and make the plane crash if they want to. That's how much computing power, all right? And we also know, because they talk about it all the time, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, China hacks the United States. The United States sends uh, China some type of virus and vice versa. This is what these governments do. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that... Russia, whether they hacked or not, was enough to really swing the election when NSA and CIA has the most computing power, allegedly, according to MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, and Edward Snowden. That, this is common knowledge now. So this is foolishness at this given point. Now, for the, the, the change, the exchange between both these men, John Lewis and uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump, the media also likes a clickbait situation when you have a black and white such people going back and forth, especially with black and white people with some form of power. They love that type of situation. You understand? They love this situation. And I agree with Sergio. What if so much Donald Trump won? Hillary Clinton lost. You suck. <laughs> and that's ultimately what we're dealing with here. And everybody is sore. That this man got in here because no way, shape, and form have you ever seen a man who's not been backed by anybody but their own Republican Party given the White House. So everyone's like, Psh. now if Mr. Lewis would have attacked from the standpoint he's not qualified, that's a good way. You know, you attack with, don't bother, don't talk about no Russian hacking. You, you're not qualified because we all know Donald Trump is not qualified. We know that already. Reality star becomes president. This is a laughing stock. That's all I wanted to say. Back over to you, Afro. I'll, I'll just say quickly, and then we'll open up the lines, that uh, turnabout is fair, fair play. You know, uh, we see that Trump was one of the main progenitors of the birtherism movement or birther movement, and now he has his own, uh, his own issues with, the, with legitimacy. So, I mean, again, you know, <laughs> be careful what you, what you wish for because you just might get it. 
He wanted the presidency, and now he's pretty much where Obama was. If if they pursue this, if the Democrats pursue it, and they probably will, um, you know, the Republicans wanted to make President Obama a one-term president and all of that. There was a, there was a sense of of, of non-fair play with his presidency. Um, now we're kind of seeing the same thing. I mean, it's, you know, left wing, right wing is still the same bird. Anyway, 301. I think this might be BA. Welcome to the midweek. Hello? Hello? Yeah, 301. We're here. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is actually uh, uh, this is, uh, Charles Thomas. We actually met like that New York City Comic Con last year, man. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, um, um, that like uh, the the um black um you know comic book that type of a uh, panel and it's been a while I man I've been listening to your show man and it's really good stuff and um and the thing is when I look at what's going on with Trump and seeing it is funny how he was started the bur- I mean you know him and you know funny enough Hillary Clinton all that's the birthers and stuff the whole delegacy of President uh, Obama now he has this stuff it's pretty hilarious if you look at it in that um, aspect you know it's funny. But also is the most interesting thing about um, John Lewis, about um, you know, Representative, about um, uh, Congressman John Lewis. Um, you know, he was a, he is a very powerful civil rights icon. He he did everything to uh, with Martin Luther King. He did the marches. He got beat down by the police officers and everything else, spat on uh, by his his um, own American citizens to get these. Rights and such, but it's funny because I actually looked at this little thing, uh, video, um, and I'll see if I can actually uh, uh, tweet you this video. It was this um, former um, uh, Black Panther who um, um, called him basically um, has told tells him that he joined the oppression. Um, it, it, I think his uh, was um, um, it's. Um, I think I saw that. I think oh, yeah. I think that and, Panther that Panther is critiquing John Lewis, correct? Oh yeah, he was like saying, "Hey, why is you know it's funny that um, he uh, was um, on um, Tucker Carlson? Um, he, he, did you see that clip? Then you already saw it. Was, um, he was Tucker Carlson was interviewing him, and he was like saying, um, you know, about how repeating the same stuff what Trump said as well, saying." This community is in shambles. The black community is in shambles because the way um, um, John Lewis um, has, um, you know, joined the Democrats. And let's be real, the Democrats did have those, um, um, did um, have, um, you know, the racist ties back in the day and such. Um, by the way, the dude's name is Mason Weaver. Um, and, yeah, but there were people, I don't think it's the Democratic Party today. You know, I think personally the Democratic Party has not done the black community well. I mean, if you look at some areas in the country, especially like I live around the DMV, and then mostly the Democrats who run it, you know, same stuff like in Baltimore, who has not only a city council that's majority Democrat, mayor that's Democrat, police chief Democrat, all this other stuff, and they're still having all these issues. You know, it's all these type of things, and, and that to me is frustrating, is that we are this interlink with black with um, with um, you know black people who are interlinked with the Democratic Party, and it should not be that way. It, it, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know when to happen. I see what you're saying, Mason Weaver. I'm looking looking at the article now, uh, and I'm familiar with Mr. Weaver. 
And Mr. Weaver is somewhat of a deconstructionist. I'll say that. I mean, I've seen him on YouTube, and he will break things down. He's somewhat of a contrarian. Hell, we're contrarians. Um, you're calling us on a Wednesday, by the way. On Saturdays, we do more of a pulp, pop, comic book stuff. Uh, speak, speaking of the comic book thing, ironically, because of this controversy, uh, the comic book series that details the John Lewis story, March, has gone up exponentially on, in sales on Amazon. So it's like, a, I don't know, like a 1,000%. I mean, literally like a 1,000% increase in sales because of this this Twitter war and this war of the world, a, a war of personalities between John Lewis. So I find that I find that interesting on on is a it? blurred comic book tip that March has increased in sales. So that that is actually actually a good thing. Um, uh, but what you're saying, and also one quick thing, what you're saying is well, we have more more callers. What you're saying is, uh, well, listen, we know the past of the Democratic Democratic Party. Um, the, the, the Democrats were the Republicans. The Republicans are the Democrats. Uh, we know about um, we know about the Dixiecrat Party, and they ran on the segregationist ticket in 1968. Strom Thurmond, who might be a relative of 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 uh, Reverend Sharpton, why he hasn't explored that, I don't know why. But uh, I've said said this before: there there are white Sharptons, and the, you know, as, as there are many white folks that may be related to you because of your surname and because of slavery. But just so coincidentally, that the Shar- that the uh, Strom Thurmond, the Thurmonds are related to the Sharptons, and the Sharptons owned Reverend Sharpton's family. So it would be interesting to see on a DNA level if Strom Thurmond, of all people, is actually related to Reverend Sharpton. He has yet to explore that, so I'm just putting it out there. Wait, but anyway, um, can I just add one? Can, can I just add yeah, one sure. thing that this guy was referring to? Being in Chicago. Sure. And you hear this all the time, all the time. Well, the reason that Chicago in so much trouble is because it's a Democratic, uh, the Democratic administration. It's been run by Democrats for decades. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, there is no Republican Party in Chicago. They don't, they don't run anybody because there's no – now, the state – is different. The state is actually very red the further south we go. We have a Republican governor who is like Donald Trump. He, he's a billionaire who had never run for office before, had no experience at all in government, and he won the election back in 2012. Uh, it was a precursor to the election we had, presidential election. But the thing about it is this. Last time, there was a really serious Republican challenger for mayor, he ran on a racist campaign, the fact that black people are taking over the city and destroying it. So therefore, what are black people going to do in Chicago? You vote for Democrats, or if a Republican runs, he runs on a racist platform. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah, well, well that, that is at the heart of it, is that either you get ignored by the by the uh, Democrats, or you get you have outright animus from animus from the Republicans. Um, See, but, because my however, theory, you know, my theory has been, my theory has been, if there was really a serious Republican candidate who ran on a unifying campaign, I mean, really to bring people together, get rid of the racist talk. And seriously, 
I mean, and get rid of the, the fear-mongering and ran on a platform of bringing the city together, he would win, or she would win. Because I, because I guarantee you, people here in Chicago, they're tired too. They're saying, look, there's got to be something different. Then well, that's sir, why people don't the, vote in sir, Chicago the, for mayor. Sir, the only, the only problem with what you're saying, and I'm going to go to another call, I'm, I still, you're still on, on, your mic's still open. But uh, there's a Connecticut, Connecticut politician that's in trouble now because he grabbed a, a woman's private parts. I think they have it on tape. And he basically, he basically yeah, I did said read that. that Yes, I did. I did read that. Right, right. I did read that. that he, he basically said that. Uh, well, you know, oh, so it's so freeing. I'm paraphrasing. It's so freeing to be able to do this. <laughs> I mean, it, so so you have Trump, who may have actually, and I said this before. Trump has tipped the apple cart. Trump, and I I said this about all those white women, and I usually don't go into racial context all the time, but white women specifically, I get what fifty percent over fifty percentile range voted for Trump after all that disclosure. They did it anyway. It, it appears to be no big deal to them. So you have a, you have a person well, in I, office I, I in Connecticut. I understand, I understand hold on, what. Hold on, sir. Hold on, sir. No. Hold on. You have a person in Connecticut that grabs a woman's private parts and then says, oh, this is so freeing. So, I mean, he, he's giving carte blanche for that kind of behavior. So what happens post-Trump? Trump, Trump has, may have shifted it, shifted or rebooted a new era where all, all you know, 1960 Mad Men type thing going on. Hold on, Serge. You got another, another uh, several folks in the DMV. Uh, we got 17 minutes no, remaining. Go ahead. Go ahead. Plan. Go ahead. 703, welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? This is Bison for Life calling from the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Welcome, First, my I want to say, I want to say hello to Sergio. I very much admire hello. the work you do. I very much admire the work you do, but you're dead wrong about Tanahashi Coates. He's a giant. Baldwin was overrated. Okay. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. I know I'm bullshit. Yeah, I just you. wanted to say that. Yeah. It felt good saying that. Thank you. Gentlemen, okay. Go ahead. this is nothing new. <laughs> I enjoyed hey, um, the expletives. Was this, was this the I man know, that turned me down for, for, for bad language? Go ahead. The irony. Yeah. Trump really is an office. Trump really is an office. Go ahead, Bison. Um, a couple of things. First, you gentlemen are lucky you're not in a DMV right now because it's going to be a circus this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have thousands of protesters come. We have thousands of bikers coming. They think that the women's march is going to be larger than the um, – the inauguration itself. And oh, it's going to be. be. I guarantee you that. It's, I guarantee I mean, every you that. Room, I want to know if the media is going to cover out. it, though. Well, I, I have alternative media, so I'm like, I, I, I turned off the mainstream media years ago because, um, you know, we, we know that, that at the end of the day, the bottom line is their ultimate profit motive. But um, I don't hear. I, I do want to say this. I do agree with you, Deaver. In regards to the Steve Harvey situation, uh, in this respect, that no one was saying anything with Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige and all those people going to see the Obamas and taking photo ops. What's the difference? Because well, so, or, he was or in the Mary White J. House. Blige, 
or Mary J. Blige serenading Hillary Clinton? What was that? Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I know because of the office, it's going to attract a certain, and it was the first African American. But it seemed like every week it was just a parade of singers and rappers and athletes. I never heard anything about business people. Why didn't Claude Anderson have a an audience, or why didn't Boyce Watkins have an audience? And we know why, because economic development in African American communities is not on a Democrat's agenda. Nope. So we know those Steve Harvey's a buffoon. We know this is a, a photo op. At least he's saying something about inner cities, and it may not go anywhere. But, I mean, I want some people to go in there with a plan and with an agenda to try to move our community forward. Every other community benefited from the Obama Obama administration except the black community in some instances. When you start looking at the the economic data comes out on wealth in the African-American community, all the indicators are trending downward. And everybody else, the wealth increased. And other communities got assurances out of this administration. We did not. So I, I, I don't want to hear nothing about Steve Harvey and Jim Brown and all them. You know, we can call them whatever. It's time for something. If somebody's going in with something that will advance our community, I'm for it. In a subject. Here, well, You know, what? One quick thing, Bison, and I, I hear that um, Q-Storm's chomping at the bit. Um, one person I like on YouTube that's under the Boyce Watkins umbrella, who is also uh, a, a fellow Howard person uh, for you, fellow Howard person, uh, Yvette Carnell. She's probably the, one of the few folks that – one of the few folks that actually is, is less emotional – about this Trump situation and, and, and very more, very much more critical about where black people really stand uh, when it comes down to all major ind- indices, uh, finance, and what's really needed. Like actually, actually having that hardcore conversation with black people, like, listen, you really don't have it going on. There's a lot to be proud of, but it's very anecdotal. It's very much personality driven. It's very much about black individuals. But as far as black folks moving as an aggregate, we have really severe issues, really severe problems. And, uh, you know, Steve Harvey's not the answer. But at the same time, cutting ourselves off from the presidency as, as wacky as this presidency probably will be. I would hold, I would hold as, 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 as I would hold strong and attach myself as best as I could to what Donald Trump says. I would, even though he's a Pictionary president, I would hold as closely as I could to what he says. If he's if he's in the media saying I want to help the urban communities, yada yada yada, used someone should be approaching, someone should be approaching um, uh, Steve Harvey and say, okay, we're going to use you to field in all these other serious engineers, scientists, financiers, business people, urban planners, and so forth to say. Show us what you got. I would, Neither. I would, I would to that guy's. I would stick to what he says. But the no last one's talking now. But, the, the but last can I second that? Can... Go ahead. Hello? Go ahead. Let, 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 
let, yeah, let Bison say let Bison and Sergio. Yeah, I know. Then, let, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Bison, go ahead, Bison. The last president who said something about improving the financial situation in the inner city of black America was Nixon. Yeah. And those are Ironically. facts. Hmm. Ironically. Uh, um, I, I just want to second that. I, I Really, people should check out Cornell Brown of Your Black World on YouTube. She's really uh, definitely a contrarian, has some really intriguing, interesting points of view, was not an Obama fan at all. Uh, hardcore radical, really, she is. I, I think she's fascinating. I've been watching her more and more and less of Boyce Watkins, who I'm beginning to get kind of uh, <laughs> tired of, um, increasingly getting hello, tired of. Hello, but you, Colonel you like Brown. Hello? Hey, uh, Sergio, you don't like, hello, beautiful black people, kings and queens. Yeah, right. Hello, beautiful <laughs> black people. Right. Come to my seminar. Come to my seminar. You know, you know, I don't believe it. People rather buy shoes than come to my seminar. Okay, I get it. Um, Cornell Brown is, is is pretty terrific. Ch- check her out because she's kind of ruthless, and right, she looks at Trump as basically much more nuanced than than oh my God, this is the end of the world. And she's she's pretty interesting. She's very interesting. I I would definitely would check her out. I didn't know she was a Morehouse grad. I mean, uh, a Howard graduate. Didn't Howard, know that. Howard. Don't don't let Bison know that. Anyway. Yeah, Howard. Uh, Go go I'm, to I'm, I'm, um, I'm ignoring that demon. <laughs> yeah, let 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 let's go to um to Q Storm. Then I'm gonna go to another DMV. I think it's Black Ronan, I believe. Um, Q, you wanted to say something? Well, I I just wanted to briefly touch on John Lewis and his boycotting the inauguration. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah know, definitely. If I were a member, if I were a member of Congress, I would struggle with that because. I, I, I'll say it on air. I detest Trump. I detest what he stands for. I detest his lack of cohesive, uh, his lack of being able to utter a cohesive sentence. Um, I think he's going to be an embarrassment. But the thing is, I'm, as a congressperson, I might feel I need to go out of respect for the, for the office. But I'm really tired of people getting at John Lewis for deciding to boycott because he thinks – Trump is an uh, illegitimate president. It's his right to do so. And, you know, the thing is, I think I think black folks are just tired of always having to be the bigger person. I, I think it's like, why do, why do we have to always be the, the people who rise above all of the things that oppress us? When they can, if they want to, if he wants to and other congressmen want to make a statement, and put and, and maintain that power for themselves. Who am I, or who is anyone else, to criticize them for exercising their First Amendment rights in their silence in terms of boycotting that inauguration? I'm just so sick of us having to be the people that have to always rise above. Well, we don't wanna, we don't want to deal with this crap. So I cannot be mad at John Lewis for exercising his right to make a statement, which hopefully will carry on. Into the presidency. But you know what? You know By what? the way, uh, don't forget. I, I, well, hold on, hold on, sir. I got seven minutes and I got I to bring in Black Ronan. I just want to bring mention this one quick thing, though. Is that this is, this is a different time we are in now. And, I, and we have a social media. Social media is a very powerful thing. Social media is actually the engine that, are, that appears to be running some of this stuff now. 
that's, that the conventional media, traditional media, has to kowtow to social media. And everyone can be their own journalist. They can garner their own fan bases. They can garner their, their, they can garner their own troops. It's a little bit more complicated, and we have a lot less excuses uh, than having to be so reliant on some of these leaders, even someone as illustrious as John Lewis and, these, and some of these Congress folks. This, this seems to be more about showboating and it, to, to give the impression that we're actually doing something. I think folks now are at a place, at a place now, uh, maybe because of technology, where we don't have to be so um, – uh, we don't. Have to, we don't have to be so reliant on some of these other people. You can kind of control your own thing now. We we have our uh, even as Afro nerd is not uh, by any any stretch of the imagination Steve Harvey, but we have our own cadre of things. I, I have less of an excuse. I can connect to people. Uh, Lisa Evers uh, recently retweeted our show. Who's connected to Curtis Sleewood. We you know you don't know who's listening. You know we have people. When I was at the the uh, comic convention a few days ago, there were people that were shouting me out that it, I didn't even know knew me. They just heard the show. So you, you know, we have less excuses to get things going. Damn some of these people and, and their personal agendas. Some of these folks have been, been hanging around for, for decades, and it's still the same thing. Um, anyway, uh, I think did, – did, uh, did Black Ronin step off? I think Black Ronin stepped off. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. We got five minutes. You need my what? Yeah. Come on in. Okay. <laughs> live tele- live written television. Live radio. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. That's sorry. all right. Uh, we got about five minutes, uh, sir. Right. Your thoughts? No, no. I was I was gonna, I was going to say don't don't forget in in 2013 a lot of Republicans did not go to Obama's second inaugural. They conveniently had to go out of town. They had other commitments. So it's just not everybody's jumping on John Lewis. This is, I almost begin to say, a tradition. I'm not even going to watch the inaugural. It's going to be too depressing for me. You know, I want to see if the media is going to. That's my right. And I want to see if the media is going to cover all the protests. That I want to see. You know, we got hundreds of thousands of people who are going to show up protesting Donald Trump. Is the media going to cover that, or are they going to play chicken and pretend it didn't exist? And let's not forget, Donald Trump boycotted one of the debates because he didn't like the way Megyn Kelly treated him. So, you know, it, it always right. seems like it, it's always seemed like, uh, I mean, Democrats are full of hypocrites too, but this is just beyond the pale, the, the hypocrisy. Coming from this guy, he can he can question Obama's legitimacy for or two years, but John Lewis says in one statement on Meet the Press to Chuck Todd, he doesn't think Trump is legitimate, and Trump starts his 140 character uh, tweet storm because that's all he can think is in 140 characters or less. But it's just it's it's really disgusting. Well, again, uh, my, my main premise. Uh, and I hope that, you know, I really, really hope that black folks kind of get it together and figure this out, that it, it's always been you're on your own. I mean, when things were worse, I mean, it, you know, it, it's one thing to not have uh, respect from an administration or there's some things going on socially. But things, believe it or not, were a whole lot worse for black folks where you absolutely had to do it on your own. Uh, during the segregationist period in this country, um, post-bellum period of this, of this country – all you had as black people were were your, your own people. 
and we survived it. And I think we need to go back to that kind of mindset. But this time you have uh, more money, more of an intelligence here, better educated black folks, more connections. You actually are in a better position to go on your own than you did, let's say, 1930. 1930, we, pro- we probably had more of a stick because you had no way to go but your own in 1930. But it's not 1930, and black folks, I think they need to go back to that. They really do. If, if you, if that, needs to be, that needs to be something that needs to be discussed. And for whatever reason, I don't see black people really going there. We seem to be begging and uh, really kind of caught up in our passions and why aren't these white people respecting us and, you know, why, why, why? And it's, it's, it's ingratiating to white people and trying to figure out, psychoanalyze white racism. I mean, Really? You know, I mean, the, you know, the, the removal of your genitals and the, the postcards, that wasn't enough to figure out that, you know, this is this really they don't like you. So, I mean, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of um, and it's not to say all whites, but I'm saying the culture is not a fan of black people. You have you have people coming out right now very bluntly. They're grabbing genitals <laughs> for the sexist and for the racist. They're calling you in words bluntly. To call, I'm hearing more and more, quote unquote. Monkey talk than ever. More and more, I think, did, did he catch somebody on, on on a hot mic? Another politician saying he really he thinks black people really look like monkeys. I mean, he, you know, it's just, yeah, that was in Michigan. I mean, you, you know, I had no words for a guy like that. You know, it's, it's you know, but black people are hurt when they hear that. I, you know, black white folks. Well, you know what I say. That, well, hold on, sir. White folks thought that the 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 uh, planet, the Earth was was uh, flat. They get things wrong. So I don't – just because a white man calls you a monkey doesn't mean that is true. And if anything, we, aren't, aren't we all derived from monkeys? We're going to be really be you – know, believe, believe in, uh, believe in uh, uh, Darwinism? I mean, come on. Transgenic chimp. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you I mean, know what I said. If, you if, know if, what if, I've if always said. I said if you – white people, if, if white people don't come from monkeys, then where do you come from then? You know what I mean? We're the only, we're the only one, quote, unquote, monkeys. Desmond Morris, Naked Ape. Anyway, Serge, I'll give you the last word. We got about four. No, I'm going to say very, very quickly. As I said, if, I've always said if you took a black person today, an average black person today, put him in a time machine back 100 years in the South or in Illinois or any place, they wouldn't last 10 minutes. Yeah, they, they would lose last their mind. Minutes. Right, they considering lose their mind. what our ancestors, what ancestors went through 200 years ago, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, you know, you couldn't, you would not survive in 10 minutes. Try being a black man in a black person in Tennessee in 1917. You got Xbox, Twitter, PlayStation. You're, you're, you have more knowledge in your pocket nowadays. And, and black folks still don't know. They're still asking for some kind of forgiveness from white people. You'll be waiting a long time for that. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, Saturday, 6 p.m., we're doing the Grindhouse. We'll have to revisit this, of course. Um, going out with more Muzak. Um, folks, always a pleasure doing this. Never get tired of it. This is Marcus Miller. So what? Channeling Miles Davis. It's been real.
Smile. 